Welcome to Living Water Radio. Do people become rich because God is blessing them? If a person is poor, is it because God is cursing them? Are riches a sign that wealthy people are going to heaven? And is poverty a sign that poor people are not? What did Jesus say about this? Today we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Jesus talked about money and the use of money more than anything else except the reign of God. Why? I think that one reason could be that because how we get and use our money is a direct expression of our basic values. In the Gospel reading for next Sunday, we see him setting the record straight in Mark 10, starting at the 17th verse. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Jesus gets right to the point. The man asked what he has to do to go to heaven. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I wonder if he knew what he was saying. That is, who gets an inheritance? A child or whoever a person decides to give it to at their death. Does he see himself as a child of God? Did he already in some way know the answer? Then why ask? Does he see Jesus as God? If not, why ask? Can he even contemplate the possibility of the coming death of Jesus on the cross prior to Jesus' resurrection? Jesus' answer is direct. He asks the man if he meant to refer to him as God. He makes a reference to Psalm 14, 2-3. The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise, who seek after God. They have all gone astray. They are all alike perverse. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Jesus observes that no one is good but God alone. Is the man saying that Jesus is God? Jesus goes on, starting with Mark 10, verse 19. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus starts with the man's knowledge of keeping the law, the religious law in what we call the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and all the laws that grew from them. The man responds affirmatively, and Jesus loves him for it. But is there faith behind those works or just keeping the letter of the law? We continue with verse 21. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. 
Yep, everybody wants to be Bonhoeffer until it's time to be Bonhoeffer. Everybody wants to be a disciple of Jesus until it's time to be a disciple of Jesus. Everybody wants to live by faith until it's time to live by faith. You might remember the bumper sticker that reflected the life philosophy of many. He who dies with the most toys wins. The man in this text had many toys and went away grieving. Jesus continues in verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's a pretty good image. Not that anyone was thinking about the image. They were stunned by what Jesus had just said. Mark says, they were greatly astounded. People believed that those who were rich were being blessed by God because they were righteous. People who were poor and or sick were being cursed by God. They were being punished for their sins. So, if rich people aren't going to heaven, who is? Mark continues in verse 26 with the disciples in shock. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. We can't earn our way into salvation. It doesn't depend upon our bank account. It can only come as a gift from God because of the cross. It comes by faith a living relationship with the one true living God. It has nothing to do with wealth. In fact, Jesus said wealth may be a problem. Have you ever heard it said, money can't buy you happiness? I used to think, maybe not, but could I just give it a try? I mean, why give up so fast? The California lottery is now over $650 million. Have you ever thought about what you would do if you won the lottery? What would happen? It could be devastating. There would be a lot of good that you could do, but it would come at a cost. First, you'd probably have to move. There would be people at your door all the time, many in great need. How would you know which were truly in need and which were a scam? Could you say no? Plus, your worth as a target would go up, way up. The risk of home invasion and kidnapping of you and or your loved ones would dramatically increase. You'd need to live in a secure and undisclosed location. Do you like where you live now? You'd have to move into a secure neighborhood with lots of other paranoid rich people. Second, they say that where there's a will, there's a long-lost family member. And long-lost BFFs, too. You'd probably have to change your phone number and give the new one only to your closest and most trusted friends, if you had any. Some of your friends would be asking you for a little bit of your fortune. You wouldn't miss it. And if you didn't give it to them, would they be your friends anymore? And what about those who didn't ask for anything? You'd wonder if they liked you or just wanted to be around your money. If you only spent it on yourself, they wouldn't be able to keep up with you. And if you paid their expenses, they would soon resent it, or they would become hangers-on. But even if they didn't do any of these things, you'd always wonder what they were thinking and if they were really still your friends. Third, you'd stop trusting everybody. 
You'd start thinking that everyone was trying to steal your money, that they were jealous of your good fortune, that they were trying to take it from you. You'd have to hire security for your home and your family, and they would go with you everywhere you went. Fourth, maybe you'd hire responsible money managers, and maybe you'd sleep soundly at night. Maybe. But maybe not. And would you always be wondering? Fifth, would you give your money away? How would you know that the charities weren't spending your easy money carelessly? You'd have philanthropy managers. Could you trust them? And auditors. Because you don't. Sixth, maybe you'd live a disciplined and generous life, but the record among those who have gone before you isn't good. Unearned money can be corrosive to decent human life. Seventh, remember King Midas, the Midas touch? Everything he touched turned to gold, literally. He was rich, but he starved to death. There's a warning in that story. But do Jesus' words mean that you can't be rich and be a Christian? No. Does every Christian, to be a Christian, have to sell everything they have and give it to the poor? Yes. Okay, let me explain that. With regard to the first question, can you be rich and still be a Christian, Jesus tells this parable in Luke 12, beginning at the fifth verse. And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. What is wealth before God? Nothing. It is our lives that matter. And for that, God shows his love for us at the cross. Paul writes in Romans 5.8, But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Anything other than dependence upon God places an idol at the center of our lives. In Paul's letter to the young pastor Timothy, he didn't say, Money is the root of all evil. What did he say in 1 Timothy 6.10? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. With regard to the second question, does every Christian to be a Christian have to sell everything they have and give it to the poor? Neither of those passages from Roman and 1 Timothy we just read gets us off the hook. Giving 10% isn't enough. The rich young man in this week's text from Mark 10 learned that. That's the point of giving everything. Giving 25% or 50% or 75% isn't enough. It's not about meeting a standard. The Christian life is about lives of gratitude in response to what God has already done for us on the cross. We can't possibly give enough money to pay for that. Jesus says in Mark 8, the 36th and 37th verse, For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? 
Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Most of us are rich by global standards, and many of us are millionaires. I was sitting with a group of men from our church at a men's breakfast, and one of them said, Well, Pastor, I guess we can say that we have a millionaire as a member now. A member of our church had publicly come into a lot of money. I replied, We have a lot of millionaires in our congregation. If you add the value of our homes, our life insurance, our cars, our savings and investments, and all our other possessions, a lot of us are millionaires. We live in a society of people with many possessions. Do we now think that we are independent of God? That would explain a lot, wouldn't it? How are we to manage them? As Christians, from the inside out, from faith. Every dollar we have is a means for ministry. Everything we buy in some way supports the work God has given us to do. Everything we spend is an expression of who we are. This is life that is real life. Our lives are lived in response to what God has already done for us, not to get more. Jesus has already won the prize. He did it for us. The cross means that all who believe and are baptized have already won the lottery, the big prize, because of the blood of Jesus shed for you and for me on the cross. It hasn't come to us by chance, but by choice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. John 3.16 There is no righteousness in wealth itself, but there is a problem. The problem in wealth is that it tends to make us think that we are independent of God. We who are wealthy are to be rich toward God. There is no condemnation in poverty. In fact, poverty makes us more likely to know that we are dependent upon God. But there is also no romanticization of poverty in the Christian life. We who have means for ministry are called to use them in service toward those who can be helped by them, to relieve and seek to end poverty, to build the abundant life of body, mind, and spirit for all people in accord with God's will for all people through the means we have been given. Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer, once said, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Christians in our culture are already rich. We are Christians because we are rich toward God. Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccine because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. 
When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders, pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay at home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.